Hello and welcome to A Week in Football, a weekly podcast that takes a look back over the action and events of the previous Premier League game week. We will take a look at the results, performances and certain players' individual performances and also bring you any major news or developments in the world of the Premier League. We will also have a look forward to the upcoming game week and point out our game to look forward to. I'm your host Matt Smith and I've been joined today by Ed Keoghan. Hello, you're all very welcome back to another episode of A Week in Football. My name is Matt Smith and I've been joined again today with Egg Kyogen. How are you, Ed? All good, all good. Quiet week, no drama. Uh, thank God, two weeks of drama and then we're finally getting a nice peaceful week of football. But it's getting a bit congested now, isn't it? Um, after the United game getting called off, United have three games in five days. Um, they're going to be playing Liverpool. Tomorrow played Leicester yesterday. It's a bit manic, but for United. But we're gonna get stuck into that. Um, we had a game last Friday. It was a nice little game to start off the weekend between Leicester and Newcastle. And Ed, Newcastle surprised us yet again. Um, fair play to Newcastle. I have we have to give it to them. Um, they've been they've probably been one of the farm teams in the Premier League. To be honest, with you. um, over the last probably five to six weeks. Um, to go away from home um, and beat Leicester whose form is indifferent to be fair to beat them 4-2 is, is quite surprising and they were actually 4-0 up in this game uh, Joe, Willock, Joe Willock got a start um, and he scored so his, his, his goal scoring run has been phenomenal as well for them um, I can see Arsenal uh, hanging on to him next season I don't see him going out on loan again Um Newcastle were 2-0 up before half-time. Then Wilson scored two goals in the second half before two late goals from Albrighton. And in the actual, again, he's having a great season for Leicester. He's he's really stepped up to the mark in Vardy's absence. Uh, Vardy's gone very, very quiet. Maybe his afterburners are finished now, so we might see, start seeing a bit of a decline in Jamie Vardy. You never know. But that was a big win for Newcastle. Um, I think they were safe before that, but that definitely cemented their um, Premier League status for another year. So, uh Hats off to Newcastle. They've, they've been really, really good form team for me in the last five or six weeks. We moved on to Saturday. And we had four games on the Saturday. First game was Leeds against Tottenham. And Leeds done it again. They lose one week. They win the next week. They lose another week. They win the next week. And they've done it again. Uh, scored a great goal uh, from by Stuart Dallas um, to put them 1-0 up after 13 minutes. And then uh, Son scored the equaliser for Spurs. Um, another good goal uh, from Son as well. Patrick Bamford um, scored a goal just before half time, um, and then Rodrigo got a goal uh, to seal the victory, seal the three points for Leeds with five minutes to go uh, of normal time. There was a bit of an incident where uh, Harry Kane was judged to be offside. Literally, like the leather on his boot, on the toe of his boot, was offside. It's getting a bit ridiculous now. They're going to have to look at that for next season, I think, because it's just. There must have been, there must have been twenty goals uh, this season that have been disallowed, uh, for for literally nothing. For, from, yeah, from, it's, it's such a shame as well because that hurricane finish was actually a lovely, lovely finish, yeah. and like it was literally a toenail. I don't. That's not an exaggeration. It was a toenail. It's just there should be some form of benefit that they were. If the lines are still touching, that they give it onside, there should be something introduced anyway. But yeah, I think yeah, I like, think they have it in. I think they have it in France, um, where there has to be clear daylight between the two lines in Holland, order for it to be offside. Holland or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think there has there has to be clear daylight between the two lines because if like they're actually putting it down to being if they're offside by a centimeter, they're offside. Some people will say, yeah, they're offside, but that's just. Like VAR was VAR was brought in to help us have more goals in the game and have more excitement in the game, and for me, it's taken it away a little bit. But listen, that's a really really disappointing uh, defeat for Spurs. That they're seriously on a different form as well. Sacking Jose Mourinho, your man Ryan Mason doesn't really seem to know what he's doing as well. Um, yeah. I don't I don't see any managers coming out of the woodwork to take the Spurs job. Um, to be honest, with you, I don't see Spurs hiring. Like a, a big name manager like a Max Allegri or something like that. I don't think anybody really wants to go near Spurs at the moment. It's going to be an interesting summer at Spurs. Like, are they going to lose Son? Are they going to lose Kane? Are they going to lose the both of them? 
Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. But that was a big win for Leeds as well. Um, outside chance of European football, but maybe they've left it a little bit too late. We've gone on to the game of the week. Sheffield United against Crystal Palace. I asked uh, Keane, who was our guest on last week, to try and get this game set, uh, <laughs> called off. But unfortunately, uh, it didn't happen. Sheffield United hosted Crystal Palace. And uh, Crystal Palace uh, ran out 2-0 winners. Not going to spend much time on this because I didn't really care about this game whatsoever. But <laughs> um, Eze is, um, surprised me this week. Um, I think he got a couple of goals as well uh, over the weekend as well. Um, or during the week. He's, he's starting to come into his own a little bit. Um, in fairness, and I think he's taking a little bit of the pressure off Zaha. Zaha just doesn't look like he wants to be there at all. But your man Eze does seem like a bit of a player. And is he going to stay at Palace? Maybe not. But Pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, but listen, we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, 2-0 two, two win for Palace. Already rele- relegated Sheffield United again. Palace were already safe for the game. So yeah, whatever. Whoop. But then we go on to the game of the week. Um, listen, Man City had a chance to win the league uh, with this game coming up. Hoodoo uh, over Man City, uh, beating them in the cup and then beating them in the league. They will meet each other in the Champions League final in a few weeks' time as well. That was also confirmed there during the week after our last podcast. But Man City got off to a decent start in the game bit of control over the game as well and they also got a goal right on the stroke of half time between uh, from Sterling and then they got a penalty um three minutes into injury time of the first half and Aguero made an absolute show of himself and you know what to be honest with you I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last time he plays for City I think that would have really really annoyed and pissed off Pep Guardiola and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't kick a ball in the Champions League final either um, I just think that I don't know if it was disrespectful. I just think if you have a penalty and you're 1-0 up at home to Chelsea with a chance to win the league, just bury the ball. Like, He's why trying you... to go out in style, isn't he? That's, that's ridiculous. That is yeah. the, way, the way you go out in style is banging the, go- banging the ball into the goal to go 2-0 up before half-time and winning the league for your team. That was yeah. just ridiculous what he did. But anyway, um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I lost respect for him because he's still a top-quality player. And it looks like he's in, already in talks to go to Barcelona. So he's jumping out of City to go to a sinking ship. So I don't know about that. But I'll power to him and hopefully he does well over there. But Chelsea turned on the afterburners in the second half. Like They seem to be a, a bit of a team now, Chelsea, where they kind of play poor in the first half and then they play really, really well in the second half. They were they were fantastic against Real Madrid there during the week as well. Um, really, really good performance. Kante just seems to be flourishing the two shell as well where he was nearly getting sold on the Frank Lampard. So it's great to see Kante back to his best. Hakim Ziyech, a player who's been disappointing for me uh, this season, starting to score a few goals lately as well. He, he got uh, brought to size level after 63 minutes. Callum Hudson-Odoi had a goal disallowed after 81 minutes, but Marcus Alonso scored um, with the last kick of the game to get Chelsea the three points and give themselves... A really solid chance of getting top four. But after tonight's game, spoiler alert, that's been thrown into doubt also as well. Move on to the last game on the Saturday. Uh, your beloved Liverpool uh, 2-0 winners against Southampton. Sadio Mane scored a goal after half an hour in the first half. He came out uh, this week and said that he's uh, it's probably been his worst season as a professional footballer. Um, struggling a bit probably uh, with mental mental health wise and stuff like that but hopefully that'll kind of bring him on a little bit he's a top top quality player and um, hopefully he's back for in all cylinders um, for Liverpool fans not for me that's not me saying that because I don't want him to do it against Everton okay. or anything like that alright but um, the biggest surprise of the week for me was Thiago Alicantra scoring a goal in the ah, 90 minutes ah fuck you <laughs> Listen, I, I, text, I text you straight away and I was like he finally done it he actually like uh like and to be fair it was a nice little finish as well. Um now to be honest with you if there was a player that probably deserved the goal this year it was probably him. All the stick he's been getting off opposition fans, all the You, you all the all the key passes, uh, stats that have been thrown around and stuff like that. Um fair play, he finally got his goal and sealed the win for Liverpool and that kept them in the home for a top four place as well. But um we're gonna we're gonna talk about the European places later on. It's it's I actually can't call 
your pain spots from fourth down to eighth. It's just mental at the moment. Um, the only real thing that's going on at the moment is the European spots. But that wrapped up Saturday's games. We move on to Sunday. Yeah, we kicked off Sunday's games with Wolves hosting Brighton. Um, Brighton actually took the lead in this game in the first half. They had, they had a flurry of corners in the first half for some reason. Um, lovely cross in by Pascal Gross and they was stunk with a great header. Um, plenty of power, plenty of pace on the header. Uh, put Brighton one nil up. Dunk then nearly put them two nil up, only for a great save. Um, similar thing, Gross to the corner, Dunk meeting it with the header, um, and it was nearly gone to the top corner, and then Ruby Patricio just got to it. But um, early in the second half, on a counter attack, Fabio Silva was true, and Dunk was last man, and he tugged at his jersey, and Silva felt the contact went down, it got straight red, and he mm. he probably screwed Brighton's chances up. Um, I think by that. About five to ten minutes later, Wolves got back into it with a great goal from uh, Adama Chari. Lovely one-two in the box with Fabio Silva, who was actually starting to step up a lot lately, which is good to see because they spent a lot of money on him. So I'm sure the Wolves fans are hoping to see a hot prospect there. And he's mm-hmm. getting goals now. He's getting assists. He's, he's involved. Um, it was his run that brought the red card. If not, he was probably true and probably would have scored with the form he's in. Mm-hmm. So he set up Traore and then... With a couple of minutes near the end, Morgan Gibbs White had a great chance, a uh, nice bit of skill by Traore on the on the byline, and pulled it back, and it's like it bobbled just in front of him, and he skied it over, could have wrapped it up two one. He got a second chance about five minutes later, I think it was around the eighty six minute, and uh, took a shot, and it was blocked. Uh, great defending actually, but the block fell nicely for him, and he, he actually placed it lovely into the top corner. Gave Wolves the victory. Um, at full time, Neil Mopay got sent off for um, an altercation with the referee. I, I think it was over something he thought the ref said, but um, two red cards in the game for Brighton, effectively. So they'll be missing key players now in the next game. Although, as we've seen over the weekend, the relegation is uh, is wrapped up. So there's not too much to be playing for anyway. And that brought us on to the next game, which was Aston Villa at home to Man United. And this was kind of the second game in Man United's hectic schedule. Um, and I thought they were actually brilliant. The first half, Villa started off out of the blocks. They dominated. They were quicker to the ball. They were pressing high and they were winning the ball back. And that's exactly how they got their goal. John McGinn um, putting the United players under pressure. There was an error made. The ball broke to um, one of the Villa players. He played into the middle. To John McGinn. John McGinn passed it to Traore in a lovely turn. Lindelof was pretty poor to defend them, but Traore got a shot away anyway and uh, skied into the top corner. It was an unbelievable goal. Yeah, um, yeah and at, at that stage, you were thinking 1 0 up. United could be tired from Thursday. Villa could do something here. But as it's been all season for United, I think, I think this was the 12th game that they won after going behind this season, which is an incredible record, and still they maintain their unbeaten um, away record in the league this season, so very impressive for them. And they got back into the game through a penalty from uh, Bruno Fernandes, who else? No way, no way. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then Greenwood put them 2-1 up, and I don't know if you've seen this goal, but this fella... He's he's actually so good. I, I don't know how there's not a bit more hype around him in the England squad. There seems to be more hype around the likes of Callum Wilson or Patrick Bamford, but Greenwood's ultimate striker movement, uh, ball played into him through a, a, a slight dummy, which um, threw Tyrone Mings off, used his body perfect to turn on the ball, and with his left foot drilled into the bottom corner. I've, like, I've never seen a young footballer as accurate with his shooting as Mason Greenwood. The fella is an unbelievable striker. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously being helped as well with the influence of Edison Cavani, who came in, came on off the bench to score a header late on and seal the victory, 3-1 victory for Man United. So, good all-round trip for them. Obviously, they lost in the Europa League semi-final second leg, but they won it over the, um, the result from the first leg. But it was important for them to get 
a victory um, in the league because they had a tough run of games in a short space of time, and obviously they were going to rotate the squad, which I'm sure we'll go on to. Mm. Um, so they wouldn't. They needed to pick up points somewhere. Um, it wouldn't be great for Team Morale if they lost the second leg of that semi final, lost to Villa, lost to Leicester, and then had to face uh, Liverpool team two days later. So good victory for United. Um, Villa. I think I think we've kind of touched on them over the last few weeks, but their European hopes kind of being almost dead in the water. It's like every time they're given an opportunity with results around them or or whatever it may be, they just mm-hmm. fail to take it. And I think Leeds have jumped ahead of them now. Villa have a game in hand, but Leeds are two points ahead of them. Um, they're really missing Grealish, aren't they? Like, oh, so Grealish. so much. Like I seen a stat there the other day that. I think he. I think Grealish is second in the most chances created in the Premier League this season, and he's not played since Still, February. Yeah, yeah. Or, I think they only they only have two wins. They only have two wins since since he's been injured. But when you look at when you look at his stats, it just shows how important he is. Like there's most teams that aren't in the top six, and even some teams in the top six, if they were missing their best player, they struggle. Mm. Um. So Villa should be no different, especially when their best player is probably too good for that team. They'll obviously miss him a lot more than, than someone else might miss their key player. But um yeah, they're just struggling. Any any hopes they had of Europe is gone. They're seven points off Everton. Um and yeah, they're not they're not gonna make that up with, with two to three games to go. Um now I think they actually have four games to go, but with the fixtures so the Everton. Teams, yeah, yeah. So with the fixtures that other teams have as well, I think they've easier games. So they're basically Top 10 finishes all they can hope for now. Um, that brought us on to the second last game on Sunday. And I'll hold my hands up. I didn't actually watch this. And since it's your Everton, Matt, I'll let you uh, describe yeah. the game in your usual unbiased fashion. No, listen, like I said to you before, that um, it wouldn't be like, it, it, it would be very much like Everton to go out and win this game. Because mm-hmm. they're away from home. It's against a, a, a top team in terms of the league table um, Everton set up really well uh, it was the first kind of game this season where Allen was unbelievable man of the Sorry, match I, did. I actually I saw the first half don't mean to good job I saw the first half and I actually thought that I forgot to actually text you I thought Allen was absolutely brilliant it was the best yeah. I've seen him so far anyway for Everton he's fantastic and like when I was when we were first interested in, in signing him I'll be honest I didn't really see much of him for Napoli but the videos and the YouTube clips like you always do when you're inter- when your team is interested in a player you always look at the YouTube clips and he was the type of player that got the ball on the edge of his own box he put his head down and powered past players and got it into the other half and I never seen him do that for Everton maybe once or twice I've seen him doing it five times in this game against West Ham he literally got the ball on the edge of his own box and actually made our West Ham midfielders and played it off and he was tackling everybody his stats were like he was first or second in all the stats in terms of duel one. Every, he was just absolutely incredible. Um, match and Carlo Ancelotti actually gave his man of the match Seamus Coleman. Seamus was fantastic as well. But I just want to give a shout out uh, in this game to Ben Godfrey. Um, a lot of uh, the pundits and stuff like that, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher did their uh, signings of the season, player of the season, all that kind of stuff, and. I might sound biased here, but for me, Ben Godfrey... You're biased. Should, You're biased. Should, he should be up there in terms of signing of the season for the fact of the matter that he was relegated when Norwich. He came in. He wasn't going to be starting only for injuries, and he came in and he's played left-back. He's played cent, left-hand left hand side, centre-half, right-hand side, centre-half, right-back, and he, he was even thrown at the midfield at the odd time as well. He's been absolutely fantastic for Everton, and he's been a great signing for Everton, 20 or 25 million or something we spent on him. He's been absolutely fantastic, and he should have been mentioned because I know Suchek has been brilliant for West Ham, but for me, Godfrey's up there as well. But I think he's just been overshadowed by the likes of Lingard joining in January and scoring like nine goals and mm. ten games and a few and assists Suchek, in that deal. Yeah. I think Suchek's, that's what. Sorry, Suchek's been very, very good as well. There's been other signings as well, like obviously um, Diaz as well for Man City, like. He's going to get player of the season. Yeah, he's going to get player like Diaz is going to get player of the season in my opinion. But for me, Ben Godfrey uh, in the game he played an absolutely fantastic pass. 
split to the fence uh, for Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin showed a little bit of pace. And in fairness, I've I've been very critical of, of Calvert Lewin, saying he can't finish his dinner. But he actually took one one or two touches and it, he, he had really, really good finish uh, against Fabianski as well. Uh, one touch he took was absolutely brilliant. It, uh, like he cut across the defender. Mm. And um, the defender basically, although he was catching up with him, couldn't do anything because if he touched him, it was a penalty. Yeah. So uh, he done brilliant with that touch. Actually, I remember. I remember watching yeah. that goal. He's been. He's yeah. He's, he's he pulled it across. But listen, Dominic Avalon has been fantastic for everything this season. Sixteen league goals, um, all from open play. Um, like they've. It's been fantastic. He hasn't scored any penalties or anything like that. He's been really, really good for Everton, and he's one of the reasons why Everton are up there. To be honest, you like him. Uh, like Richardson, I think has gotten just gotten into double digits as well. So listen, Everton. They're still in with an outside chance of, of European football after that win. It was a huge, huge win. Everton have mat- three massive games coming up against Villa, Sheffield United, and Wolves. So listen, minimum seven points out of those games. If we can get nine, I don't even think we'll need anything against Man City the last game of the season. I think nine will probably nine points will probably be enough to get some form of European football, in my opinion. But yeah, fantastic win for Everton. Um, like I said to you last week in the podcast, it, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if Everton went and won this game, West Ham disappointed me. To be honest, with you, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm happy that they didn't play well. They didn't have a shot on target. But um, listen, West Ham have have massively overachieved this season, and I'm sure West Ham will, will be happy if they finish uh, fifth or sixth this season. To be fair to them, but yeah, fantastic win for Everton. Ed. One more game. Yeah, yeah. and uh, thanks for that unbiased uh, recap there. That went on for about <laughs> ten minutes. Uh, no. Um, as well, as well, we just say for the likes of Villa, like it's similar to West Ham. West Ham have played, I think, four or five games now without Declan Rice. And you can see yeah. that they're missing them because their form has taken a bit of a dip. Now, it probably always was going to, especially at the business end. They're not used to being there, but they lost Declan Rice. And then I think Mark Noble, who was doing well sitting in for him, then got injured as well. So they've lost that experience and they've lost their best midfielder in, in Declan Rice. So, they're obviously struggling. It's the wrong time for those injuries to come for them as well. But good win for Everton. It helped out Liverpool as well. So sounds. And um, that brings us on to the last game on Sunday, which was Arsenal against West Brom. Um, Arsenal ran out three-one victors here. First goal, a uh, lovely goal by uh, Smith Rowe, who's who's just been phenomenal this season as well. The amount of young English players, it's just it's frightening. It's frightening. We don't have any. Um, Saka, Saka with some great work down the left wing, uh, drilled the ball in, and Smith Rowe with some unbelievable technique caught it with his bad foot on the outside of the boot and volleyed it across the other side of the goal. It was, it was just it was an incredible piece of technique. Um, they went two and up then through an absolute screamer as well from Pepe, um, very like the type of goal that Son would score for Spurs, just cuts in from the wing. Bends it into the far top corner. Nothing that uh, Johnson could do in goal about it. He's actually... I know West Brom have got relegated as well off the back of this result, but Sam Johnson's probably actually been one of the best keepers in the league this season. He's, every time I watch him, he, get, he gets to so many saves that he just has no right to get to. Um, and he was a bit unfortunate here. He, he just he came up against some really, really good goals um, from Arsenal. But um, at 2-0 into the second half then, um, Matthias Pereira, who... We, we we love um, waxing lyrical about mm. and rightly so I think at times he picked up the ball inside his own half now you could probably say it's bad defending as well but he dribbled with with pace from inside his own half all the way up to the edge of Arsenal's box and then drilled uh, a shot to the bottom right hand corner and in off the post unbelievable goal like it'll probably go up his goal the month just from where he started off at and how clean the strike was mm. but um. William, um, the blockbuster signing, finally got his first goal to wrap the, the victory up 3-1. So it took him just, just a game week 34 to, uh, to register a goal for Arsenal. They probably paid him about 20 million in that time. Did you see but, Did you uh, see Arteta? Did you see Arteta when he scored the goal? No. I think, I, I'm pretty sure he literally sat back in the, in the dugout and was he basically had a face being like about bleeding time. <laughs> I swear to God, that's that's what I think. That's what they actually said that on match of the day as well. Like Gary Lineker was like, making that tether was like about bleeding time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame him. 
But um, yeah, so Arsenal three one, West Brom relegated as a result. We're going to talk about the relegation now in a minute, so mm-hmm. uh, I won't go into too much of that. Arsenal probably could have done with that just to to shake off a bit the embarrassment from uh, what was an absolutely horrendous second leg attempt in the Europa League. I've mm-hmm. never seen a team so spineless in the semi final trying to get results. But uh, anyway, that's that's a different chat, different day. Um, that brought us on to one game on Monday, Matt, and that was Fulham at home to Burnley. Mm-hmm. Um, Fulham were also basically relegated as well. Um, they were already relegated from the previous game of the weekend, but this, this all but confirmed it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Burnley with a 2-0 victory. Uh, they 1-0 up to um, Andy Westwood. Um, some good work on the, on the wing. I think it was Vidra. It looked like he was going out of play and he just pulled back uh, a really good ball and Westwood had the luxury of just tapping it into an open net. Um, but then Wood, with the second goal, um, he tried a, 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 like a Dennis Bergkamp type skill and uh, it, he didn't pull it off and it hit off the defender and went to, I think it was Vidra. And Vidra just like tapped it like on a small volley right in front of Chris Wood and he had the opportunity to volley it in and he actually volleyed it into the top corner as well. There was actually, I have to say, this weekend there was there was absolutely class goals in most games. Um, yeah. So it was a really good weekend for football. But as I said, Fulham relegated and that brought us up into Tuesday night's game. Yeah, we, ch- we had two games on Tuesday. Um, one was six o'clock kickoff between Manchester United and Leicester. A lot of chat around this game. Um, Obviously, there was a lot of fixtures moved around after what happened at Old Trafford there a couple of weeks ago. Um, with the Liverpool game being Liverpool Manchester United game being moved to tomorrow night, which is Thursday. Um, so Man United had would have had three game, three Premier League games in five days, which is, is mental in itself. But Manchester United made ten changes for this game. The only surviving player from the game against Aston Villa was Mason Greenwood. Um, he actually scored the first goal, or sorry, the second goal, the equaliser. Um, after Thomas scored for Leicester in the first half, Parker as well. Yeah, great, the great goals again. Like there was fantastic goals all weekend, which is great to see because usually, like, there hasn't been many screamers scored really this season. Like usually, you have like ten to twenty to choose from, but there's been fantastic goals scored this weekend. Absolutely fantastic, but. I think Man United, a lot of Liverpool, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of Liverpool fans were saying how convenient it was that Man United made ten changes and kind of let Leicester win the game. Um, I don't know. Like, I think United did have to like rotate the squad down to happen. But listen, looking outside in, it it is it is a great result for Leicester, and it does damage the likes of. Uh, uh, Liverpool <laughs> Champions League hopes obviously but his Man United are going into a big big game against Liverpool tomorrow so you can't really blame Gunnar Solskjaer for making so many changes to be fair plus he did go for it in the second half when they went to one down so Nuki scored a goal in the second half for Leicester to, make, to, let, to let them go 2-1 up uh, but like in fairness to Adam Cavani he brought on Rashford he brought on Bruno Fernandes with 15 minutes ago. They were all over there in 20 minutes trying to get the equaliser. But to be honest, if they got the equaliser, I'd say they probably both teams would have probably lied down and taken the draw. But huge win for Leicester Champions League hopes and a disappointing another disappointing home result for Manchester United. But I don't think they're really bothered by that. They're gonna go all guns blazing. I'd say for that Liverpool game uh, tomorrow, Ed. So one more game, which was Southampton against the mighty Crystal Palace. Um, Southampton won this game three one. Um, Benteke actually scored for Palace after two minutes they came out of the blocks really quickly Danny Ings was back for Southampton which is good for them um, possibly maybe outside shell for the England squad although probably too many injuries for him this season to be called up um, scored a great goal again he scored two goals in this game uh, Milivojevic actually missed a penalty I think it's probably only the first or second time he's ever missed a penalty for Palace uh, che Adams got on the score sheet as well for Southampton so a, a decent win for Southampton at the time of this game Southampton were actually 17th in the league and which was surprising like, I, mean, I think they were top of the table at one stage this season weren't they yeah. which, was, which was which was mental uh, to think but they're, this massive massive decline but 
that way and brought them back up into 13th or 14th position. Um, as we said, all the other three teams were already relegated at this stage, so a lot of uh, there was no pressure really on the likes of Southampton and Crystal Palace. These games are kind of just dead rubber at this stage. Like you said before, they're just kind of playing for, for TV money at this stage. Um, and then we had one game on tonight, Ed, which is over there about a half an hour, if you want to cover that one. Yeah, and it was Chelsea at home to Arsenal. Um, <clears throat> Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel have been absolutely brilliant, to be fair. Um, I think, could be wrong, but I think only one defeat. And that West Brom won that crazy game that was 5-2 um, before tonight. FA Cup final, Champions League final, they've been very hard to score against. They've been still getting one or two goals. They could probably do with scoring more goals, but generally they do they do get enough chances and they do chip in with goals. But the main thing is they're hard to score against now. Um, on paper, you're probably looking to say Chelsea would probably wipe the floor with Arsenal, especially how Arsenal's recent form has been. Um, yeah, granted, they've beaten West Brom and Sheffield United, so in the league, I think it's three or four wins in a row for Arsenal, but Overall, when you're looking at the performances, especially in the Europa League as well, it doesn't um, doesn't translate well to where actually Arsenal are at the moment. But mm. after 16 minutes in, Arsenal, Arsenal were actually brilliant tonight defensively in their shape. Um, very disciplined. I didn't see any players breaking it, but they defended. They defended 11 players behind the ball. They moved across together, left to right, everything. Um but they started off the game applying a bit of a high press. And they were closing Chelsea down after a short kick out. And um, Chilwell played it into Jorginho. I think it might have been Zuma. Played it into Jorginho. And without looking, he passed back towards Kepa, thinking that he was in the middle of his goal, but he wasn't. He pulled short for to receive a ball. Um, and the ball was trickling in. It looked like Kepa wasn't going to get there, but he did. He reached in and he saved it with his hand. Um, technically, I believe that that means it's supposed to be a foul. Mm. It's a back pass if he touches it with his hand, but the ref played on because Aubameyang was following in. He just missed the chance to actually tap it in himself. The angle the angle closed on him. He pulled it back and Smith Rowe kind of scuffed his shot, but it found its way in off the post into the bottom corner. Um, Arsenal went 1-0 up as a result. Um, awful mistake by Jorginho. It's a bit unfortunate as well that Kepa was the goalkeeper he'd done it to. Um, because how many times has he been at fault for a goal like that? But this time, genuinely, he actually probably done every, more than you would expect him to do. Mm. Um, just unfortunate. But Chelsea then, for the remainder of the game, were pinning Arsenal back in. They were really going for it. Uh, Pulisic scored, but it was offside. Um, Giroud came on near the end, hit the bar. But Arsenal's defense were just were just brilliant today. Um. Probably could have been a different game just before Arsenal scored. Havertz was one on one from almost inside, just inside Arsenal's half. And uh, just as the keeper was coming out, it's like he tried to lift it over him, but he drilled it and it went over the bar. Probably could have been a different game had that gone in. Um, Arsenal might have folded, but great result for Arsenal. Um, I know we're going to chat about it now, but that result just sums up the weekend in terms of our top four race because the, some of the results have just been. Absolutely bizarre, especially when you're just thinking the amount of times where a match was about to kick off this weekend and a certain team had a chance to gain an advantage and just didn't. Mm. It was like it was like it was there for everyone to take it and everybody was was trying not to take it. Yeah. It was mental, like the European race was absolutely mental. Like Leicester there, the first game we covered on Friday night against Newcastle. They get beaten four two. They win that game, they probably guaranteed Champions League football. And they just throw it away. Then they go and get. Then they go and beat Man United on. They, they go beat Man United yesterday. Like it's it's Man United are still bringing themselves, and I think Man United have to have Champions League boxed off anyway. There's, there's no denying that now. I don't think. But then you have like West Ham who are trying to get into the top four, losing at home to Everton. You know, it, it like Arsenal, f- like making a push for Europe. There's probably about four or five games too late. They only have two games left now. Like Everton losing uh, at home to Aston Villa last week. Like teams are just throwing points away. Like Spurs losing, Spurs losing to Leeds. The Spurs have gone from being in sixth to being in a strong Europa League position to being in seventh. And if Everton beat Villa tomorrow, Everton go from ninth to joint fifth. 
it's a it's a mental season like in terms of European football like like West Ham are sitting pretty you're looking at the league table now West Ham in fifth position Liverpool sixth position Spurs in the UEFA Conference League position in seventh Arsenal are in eighth but that's a bit of a false position because they only have two games left where all the teams around them have games so to be honest with you results go the right way or whatever way I think they're going to go which I don't know anything so <laughs> I think Arsenal will probably finish probably ninth or 10th this season Um, they'll probably finish ahead of Leeds or Aston Villa to be honest with you but I think Europa League is between West Ham Liverpool Tottenham and Everton which is mad Um, looking at West Ham's I think I think Chelsea only need a point. Chelsea only have two games left as well, by the way. Um, Chelsea's last two league games, they're tough enough games, to be fair. Last two league games as actually a home to Leicester. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams would take the draw because that would pretty much guarantee both teams yeah, Champions League football. Yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't, yeah. Well, depending on other results, but you know yourself, I think if, if, I think if West Ham... And Liverpool don't get like if Liverpool don't beat Manchester United and West Ham don't get a result as well during the week. I think that that game being a draw will guarantee them Champions League football. It's it's it's. I was listening to something today on Talksport and they were talking about it. But um, yeah, Liverpool, it's, Liverpool have, have Liverpool have four games left, right? Yeah, uh, one one of them obviously being the United game uh, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> They're on fifty-seven points at the moment, but if they won all four. That'd be twelve possible points, which would bring them up to sixty-nine, which actually puts them one point under Man United at the moment. Yeah. Le- Leicester and Chelsea, say if Liverpool lose to United, stay at fifty-seven points. They yes. still have a game in hand over Leicester and Chelsea. But then the them two teams play each other where I think Liverpool's run in. I could be wrong, but I think West Brom and Fulham are two of the teams in Liverpool's run in. Yeah. So like, yeah, if Liverpool win their last four games. Or like three, like, three of the last four could even do it because Chelsea and Leicester have a tough run in. They play each other as well, so yeah. one of them could end up screwing the other one over. But like um, you say, like you say, like Chelsea, you have two games left. If they win both of those games, they're on seventy points. But if Liverpool win all four of their games, they're on sixty nine points. So Chelsea do need to win their last two games, pretty much. Yeah. Looking at it now, so disregard everything I said before. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. <laughs> but like, look look at Everton as well. Everton at the moment are ninth, ninth position in the league. Four games left, right? Everton have. Playing Aston Villa uh, coming up uh, tomorrow, I believe. Like, if Everton win that, that... This is the infamous game in hand, by the way, Ed. This is the infamous game in hand that Everton have been waiting to play. So, if Everton win that, they go from 55 to 8 points, which is fifth position with West Ham. That's how mental this this Europa League race and is West Ham aren't out of the Champions League run as well Liverpool aren't out of the Champions League run either Spurs sitting at the moment I'm just looking at their fixtures as well Wolves at home, Aston Villa at home Leicester away last game of the season put like they just got beaten by Leeds so you yeah. don't know you don't know what wait, way wait. Going to do, like. Roy Mason in charge as well I wouldn't necessarily fancy him to be able to tactically beat those three managers. Mm. So, yeah, I, d- I don't think Spurs, like, they, they were lucky in a way where in the last few fixtures they did have the likes of Sheffield United and, and they, they kind of had, let's say, easy enough fixtures for Roy Mason to walk into. But Leeds is probably the first actual test as in a manager that has a tactically different plan and how he goes against it. And Roy Mason just had no idea how to counteract what Bielsa was doing at all. It was boys against men. But so who 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 do you think who do you think will finish in like so we'll say Man City and Manchester United are boxed off right for Champions League. I, I, obviously per, right. Percy, I think it stays as it is. But I do think I do think Liverpool will win three of the last four games. I don't think they'll beat United. I just I just something they're just saying to me they won't be just because with all the results all basically they've all actually gone perfectly for Liverpool this weekend Liverpool won and nearly every other team suffered at some point in the weekend mm-hmm. but if they beat United they go up to 60 points and they still have a game at hand which will put them if they won that that will put them one point behind Chelsea as I've already said 
Leicester and Chelsea play each other. So that match could let Liverpool back into the top four. But that's Liverpool's only way into it is if they get at least three wins. But I actually think they might need probably a draw tomorrow night and then three wins at least to get top four. If they don't get a draw tomorrow, I think I think it stays as it is. I don't think West Ham will have enough, unfortunately, either. Are you talking about top four there? Yeah. Okay. So, so I was going to, when you said it stays as it is, I was going to say, so you're saying Everton are going to finish ninth? With no, 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 no. Top, the top four stays as it is. I think, okay. I think Liverpool will be fifth if they don't get in the top four. I think... I actually... I actually think Everton will finish sixth and West Ham will finish seventh. And I think it'll be Tottenham, Arsenal, Leeds. Yeah, that, that, I'd actually agree with that. I'd actually agree with that. To be honest with you, I think Everton are a toss-up for me between sixth and seventh. And I'd much rather finish sixth than seventh. Because I don't know what way that your for Conference League is going to look like. This mad but see, what, what, what I don't understand is like whoever wins the FA Cup Usually, a Europa League spot goes there, so I think that gets added on. So, does that not go to the seventh spot? Because the Leicester and Chelsea are both, let's say they both get top four, they're in the Champions League, so they won't be in the Europa League anyway. And whoever misses out top four is already in the Europa League. And the FA Cup brings a European place, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think that I think that's the whole point of this new UEFA Conference League. I'm not actually sure. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a bit of research on that and have the. Uh, the answers for our next podcast because it will be interesting because like the next podcast that we do I think there's only going to be two games left but you know what Matt sorry you don't mean to cut you off there but you know what I've been wondering about as well if City or Chelsea win the Champions League let's say um, let's say Chelsea win it but they end up coming fifth mm-hmm. obviously they'll be in the Champions League so would that mean then that sixth and seventh both get into Europa League because the fifth spot is going to be a Champions League spot now? I think that's how it, I think that's how it happened before. I think that's what happened when um, I think it might have been when Liverpool won it re- before way before. Um, I think they finished fifth, and that was that meant oh. it was five teams, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we had to go through round one qualifying, and oh, I yeah, think yeah. then I think Hughes came fourth and he's lost to Villarreal. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. Never play, never play a group game or anything. I think. Yeah, but anyway, listen, we're we're going we're going too too long into that. Right. I'll research that and and we'll have answers for the next one because that will actually will be interesting because the way it is, like it's what Chelsea and Leicester in the final final, Man City and Chelsea, yeah, and then Chelsea in the City, Champions yeah. League final, and then so Manchester if Chelsea United, win it and come fifth, that's what I want to know. Yeah. I'll, have the answers for the next podcast no problem so Ed um, we also have one quick thing to talk about which was um, the relegation all three places were confirmed during the week as well um, Sheffield United finished bottom 20th position West Brom finished 19th and Fulham finished 18th so what I want to know from you is are you surprised um, who were your three at the start of the season that you thought were going to go down and also um, I'll ask you another question if you were to take one player from each team for Liverpool, who would you take? Right, so the first question, I'm not surprised at West Ham, or West Brom and Fulham. I'm a little bit surprised at Sheffield United, as I'd say everyone was, because they finished needy in the Europa League places last year, so it was massively unexpected for them to do that bad. Although, you always hear second season syndrome, and I think they're, they're probably going down as the... the number one classic case of that now in history. But um, at the start of the year, I didn't think Sheffield United actually thought Burnley just because they spend literally fuck all money. And it's like, when when I look at Burnley fixtures, I I can never really remember seeing, oh, Burnley won that game. But somehow it's like like they've 39 points. I don't know how they have 39 points. I think Burnley are a bit of my my Crystal Palace, if I'm honest. Like, I like Sean Dyche. He's a good crack. He's good banter in his press conferences and everything like that. But I fucking hate Burnley. Like I hate the <laughs> turf more. Like I hate I hate watching them. I hate I hate their jersey colours. I hate everything about them. I always have. This is um, brilliant. This is brilliant because now now we have now we have two teams that we that we yeah. both want out. What like <laughs> a, a great memory of mine was uh, 
Gerard scoring twice at Tour of Moore to confirm relegation for them fuckers. That was brilliant, <laughs> honestly. But I thought they go down purely because of budget. And yeah. uh, I think, like, they would consider, I don't know how, but they would have considered, like, Jeff Hendrick as one of their key players. He obviously left on a free. Um, that says about as much about Borny, uh, for my case. If a player as shy as Jeff Hendrick leaves you for free, because he doesn't want to sign on. That's how bad you are. But yeah. I thought it was going to be them. And to answer your third question. Before you, player, go your, like, before you go into the third question, right, I'll, I'm just going to say I completely agree with what you said Um, in relation to the teams that were relegated. West Brom and Fulham were in my bottom three. I was definitely surprised by Sheffield United considering the season they had. I didn't think they were going to have as good as a season, but I didn't think they'd be 17 points and 20th. My team that were going to be relegated, actually, believe it or not, were Aston Villa. I actually had it written down. And the reason why I said Aston Villa was because they literally stayed up on the last day of the season last year. And I didn't think Jack Reedus was going to be there. And that's why I had them down as my um, third team to be relegated. But go on, give us a player from Fulham, give us a player from West Brom, and give us a player from Sheffield United. Um, For Fulham, believe it or not, actually your man, Anderson, the centre-half. I actually think he's class. Um, he, he, in my eyes, he'd be like similar to the likes of uh, Vestergaard off Southampton. Like they're playing in a really bad team, but they still they they manage to stand out, even though their teams might be conceding goals. You still watch them and think, like, how do he get to that tackle or how do he make that header? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's, he's too good for Fulham. I think he will be snapped up by somebody, um, especially a team that are having defensive problems. I think he'd be a great boy. I would take him at Liverpool because obviously centre-half issues but we already have I think that sorted coming this summer so this is just hypothetical and um, West Brom I take Pereira and a heartbeat and um, a little bit of magic he, he's one of them very few players in the league that on on his own if he turns up he'll win a game I think Rafinha St. Maxim um, Foden Grealish they're similar type players like those teams rely on them so much because they're actually they're probably all too good for their clubs. And um, so I would take Pereira and a Harpy. He kind of reminds me of like a bit like Coutinho in the way he plays a little bit. So I'd love yeah. to have him. Yeah, um, if I had a choice. And then for Sheffield United, I'd actually take your man Sander Berger, the yeah. midfielder. Uh, just because he's a giant, he's decent, uh old midfielder, break up playing that board. Hypothetical, obviously, because that's probably one area that Liverpool don't need somebody. Yeah, um, I'd be, I'd, I'd agree with you with uh, West Brom, Pereira, and I'd probably even have a look at the keeper, like you mentioned earlier on, um, as well as backup yeah. uh, for Liverpool as well. I think he's a better keeper than Adrian. So, um, I'd agree with you with Sander Berger, Sheffield United. He's been injured for most of the season. Um, I didn't realize how young he was. He's only gone twenty-two. Mm. And his release clause was 35 million, but because they've been relegated, his release clause is only 12 million now. So he's going to oh. be a, he's going to be an absolute bargain for any team that picks him up. And apparently Everton are linked, so I'm half happy with that. Um, yeah, that'd in, be good. In terms of Fulham, um, Anguisa in midfield. I yeah, think what a player as well. I, yeah. think he, I think he's an engine. He's just one of those players that just goes up and down. Reminds me he's of like Yaya yeah, Toure, isn't he? The way like yeah. no one can get the ball off him. Yeah, he just he's kind of kind of that awkward look about him. Um, like kind of like he, he just seems to have legs for days. Like he just sits, yeah. sticks to. Um, reminds me a little bit of the Corey for Everton. So yeah, um, Sandberg, um, Pereira definitely he won't be at West Brom next season, one hundred percent. I think Keeper, even the likes of you, ever Everton could do with Pereira. Big yeah, time. Appa- apparently we're interested. Apparently we're interested. We need we need a winger. We need a really really quick winger. Uh, that can play off both sides and stuff like that. So yeah, we're you interested. You can even play number ten if if if, if exactly. you set up a system for him. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, he'd I, be unreal. I wouldn't be surprised to see Everton spend another seventy, eighty million this summer. One hundred percent. Um. Yeah. Right. So that's we're gonna move into upcoming fixtures. So we have games tomorrow, which is Thursday. Uh, this podcast being recorded on a Wednesday, so we have. Two games ahead on the Thursday. First game, Aston Villa against Everton, six o'clock. This game is absolutely massive, massive for Everton. If Everton win this game, your, your European football is nearly—I wouldn't say guaranteed, but 
we need to win this game. If we don't win this game, Europe is over. If we win the game, we have two games against Sheffield United and Wolves that we we just have to win. We have Sheffield United at home, which I'm happy about, and we have Wolves away, which I'm even more happy about because our away our away record is fantastic this season. So massive, massive, massive game. Apparently, Jack Grealish might be back on the bench for Aston Villa. But another plus for Everton is Ollie Watkins was sent off in the last game. He got a second yellow for, for diving. So he missed this game for Aston Villa. Um, Like you said before, I think Aston Villa season is probably over. So I'm hoping Aston Villa have uh, the flip-flops on and Everton can get yet another away win in this game. Then we have the rearranged game. Uh, Ed, Man United against Liverpool. Hopefully uh, Manchester United have the stadium on lockdown for this one and the game can go ahead. Um, I'll bring you in on this one, actually. Yeah. What are your thoughts for, for the Man United-Liverpool game? Um, I don't know. Like, like to be honest, in the, in the games that we played in this year, um, the nil all at Anfield, they probably could have nicked True Pogba. Uh, mm. He had a couple of chances, but I think... In the same game, Mane was in from inside his own half on the 45-minute mark and the ref blew it early. So we probably could have potentially nicked that one. They then beat us in the FA Cup, I think it was, 3-2 mm-hmm. at Old Trafford. And that was actually around the period where Liverpool haven't didn't even score from open play in a while. And uh, going forward, Liverpool were actually brilliant that day. Just unfortunately, centre-back injuries at the time meant that Reese Williams has to play, which... Unfortunately, it's actually the same case again tomorrow. Um, he's just simply not good enough. And I think when he plays other teams, managers have it fairly handy in the game plan because it would just purely target him. Um, so I don't know how that will work out. I think uh, I think there's rumours that Alisson and Trent both picked up calf injuries as well. Um, so I don't know how true that is. But if that is true, then we, we'll probably get a good tumbling because... Adrian and goal by centre back probably a right back. Um, if that's not true, and Liverpool have the, the strongest available squad, I think they could probably go out and um, make a result. It's just the defending that I'd, I'd be worried about, and United are obviously very good in the counter attacks as well, and. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we, we could possibly nick a result if, if everyone is fit and if they get any type of motivation off the fact that obviously United handed lesser result. They were they were forced into they had to make those changes, um, yeah. which is fair enough. But it's it's obviously inadvertently impacted Liverpool and West Ham, etc. So it could be extra motivation for the players to kind of think, Joe, oh, fuck you, we'll we'll hand your arse you. So hopefully that does happen, but I think with, with Liverpool's current injuries and stuff like that, I think United just are too strong for Liverpool at the moment. So, um, it's, a huge, it's a huge game, isn't it? It's it's like yeah, it's, in, in terms of in terms of Champions League football, like if Liverpool can manage to get three points, I'm an Everton fan. Listen, I don't want to see Liverpool winning tomorrow so they can get Champions League. But I'll take me Everton hat off for this next sentence. If Liverpool win tomorrow, right, and they manage to get into the top four. That's that's a fantastic achievement for Liverpool, considering the season they've had. Like in, in fairness, like to, like to beat Man United with four games to go, knowing that if they lose, they mightn't even get Europa League football. Like it 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 will be a massive massive a massive achievement for Liverpool. But Man United rested pretty much the whole squad, um, against Leicester as well on the weekend. So it's gonna be. I'm hoping it's a good game. I hope it's not a nil all boring game. I really hope it's. It's, I take that. Yeah, well, well, I know you would take that, but I'd I'd like to see a three all. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll I'll just say that we have a game on uh, Friday. Ed. Yeah, um, Friday's game is Newcastle at home to Man City. This game means absolutely nothing to any part of the table. So I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. I'm not wasting any time on a City win. Or probably Newcastle based on the last few games. <laughs> Depending on whether City weaken the team, I I I I don't care. To be honest, I don't care that 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 game means absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, no, it won't. It won't. It won't be interesting. It'd be interesting to see what what lineup Man City put out 
are they going to keep going strong or because I was talking to a fellow there today he's actually a Man City fan and he was saying a lot of Man City's fringe players are still very very good players and they're trying to get a place on the planes to represent their countries for the Euros so they're trying even, to start in Champions League final as well yeah but exactly exactly but, so if they play a weakened team it's not going to be a weakened team do you know what I mean so but what um, he's doing at the moment is it's like because the Premier League's wrapped up like the you said you you you'd be surprised if Aguero kicks the ball for City again. I think Aguero starts this game. Probably, yeah. yeah, probably, yeah. yeah because yeah. like like he's not getting a touch on the Champions League final. Yeah, he'll get his medal for being part of the squad, but he, the likes of him, um, maybe Benjamin Mendy, these type of players, they'll all play in this game. It's just yeah. you don't know whether it's going to be Foden or Mares or Sterling or Jesus or Bernardo Silva. That's yeah. where you don't know, but. Yeah, they're not going to want to pick. They're not going to want to pick up injuries before that Champions League final, especially after getting beaten also, by Chelsea. Like, also, if you time your hands and you really cared about, you could just find out who who hasn't made a certain amount of appearances and who needs to make them to get the Premier League medal. That's true. Right, yeah. play. Is that is that still an issue? Is it? Did they you still have to play like six games? Is that or something? Is it five games? I think it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, we want. We even after you saying we won't spend enough time, we've got. There, but anyway, listen, we moved on. There's three games on the Saturday. Um, another this is the problem with being so close to the end of the season. You know, uh, there's a few dead rubber games Burnley against Leeds. I suppose if Leeds win this game, have that outside chance of European football. I think the only position that Leeds can really reach is seventh, depending on results as well. But games, uh, your favorite team, Burnley. So Leeds, Leeds again another surprise of the season for me. I didn't think they were going to do as well as they have done. If Leeds finish top ten, it's been a fantastic season for Leeds, and I can only see them kicking on next year. I just hope what happened to Sheffield United doesn't happen to Leeds, especially for your dad's sake, because that would be terrible. Uh, I, I think a club of their size, um, that that manager, I don't, I don't think he's ever been relegated, um, in his career. I know he's not like a majorly successful manager in terms of trophies but like you can tell he knows what he's doing the players that he has now are good enough for this quality they'll definitely add like the Sheffield United where they, they the reason Chris Wilder wanted to leave was because they, they wouldn't spend any money obviously with pandemic they probably didn't have all that money but the Leeds owner is fairly good I, I don't think they have any plans of even entertaining the relegation so uh no, I think I think it's a good platform for them to build. They've attracted the likes of Rafinha this year. Rodrigo, he's he's been a bit disappointing, but there've a few other players that have stepped up. Uh, Robin Cock, uh, Lorente in the back, Calvin yeah. Phillips has been excellent. Like Dave Bamford, obviously Harrison's is an absolute handful as well. So keepers, the keeper's handy as well, isn't he? Keeper's class. He's only twenty or twenty one or whatever he is. So they have a solid foundation there. They just need to they just need to get a few more bodies in. Maybe get maybe a more attacking left back so that they don't have to play Dallas left back, um, yeah. and someone that's strong enough defensively as well. But I think I think Leeds will push on next year. To be honest, well, we thought we, we thought the same with Sheffield United, and look what happened to them. But listen, we'll move uh, on. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, uh, I listen, listen, know. Listen, all the players were like nearly thirty. They were all. I know, I know, I know. No, I know. They I had know. they had a lot of in, they had a lot of injuries as well at the wrong time. The likes of Sanderberg and all getting injured and stuff like that. They lost Henderson after the loan deal and all. Well. Yeah, I know, so yeah. It, and yeah, like they signed Ryan Brewster for twenty eight million. He do, he's brutal. But um, listen, I I think Leeds, like you say, have a solid foundation for next season, and I can see them probably have another another year like they had this year. To be fair, I don't see them pushing on so much that they're gonna have a West Ham season. But um, I can see them probably being. Eight, nine, tenth again next season because I do like Leeds. I think yeah, if they can, yeah. okay, if they can brush up on the win one week, lose next week, win one week, lose next week, then I think they can. If they turn those losses into draws, they'll move up the table big time. And I think maybe just three or four more players of like Rafinha type quality would turn yeah. a few of them games from defeats into wins for Leeds because even when even when they've lost, they were they were probably the better side in most games. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't be worrying about Leeds, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay. Next game on the Saturday is Southampton against Fulham. Won't spend any time on this. Both teams will have their feet up. Um, Fulham after being relegated. Southampton are safe now as well. Um, a couple of players might want to be trying to get onto the plane. They might still want to play. But listen, um, Southampton winning this game for me. 
Uh, although Fulham now being relegated, they might win the last three games of the season. You never know. But listen, that's what uh, happens, isn't it? That's like that's exactly what happens. That's what they did last year. Mm-hmm. They got relegated and then they beat Everton. That's what happens. But <laughs> so that happens all the time for Everton. I, I hate playing relegated teams, but um, that's why I'm worried about playing Sheffield United next on on the weekend as well. But, They're relegated since January or something. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But last game on the Saturday evening, eight o'clock kickoff. I'm looking forward to this game, Brighton at home to West Ham. It's going to be interesting to see how West Ham bounce back. Declan Royce apparently might be back. Um, he might be involved in this game at some point, but he will be back for West Ham's last couple of games, which is good for West Ham to push on. This is the game West Ham will need to win in order to get Europa League football. If they win this game, I do see them finishing definitely in a European position, whether it be fifth, sixth, or in one of those positions if they win this game. If they don't win this game, if they, then that really opens the door for the likes of Liverpool, Spurs, and Everton to to leapfrog them, especially with uh, if Everton win in the weekend, they could go level on points at West Ham with a game in hand. So it's a huge game for West. They really, really need to win, especially after this point result against Everton uh, last weekend as well. So we're moving on. Uh, we have a couple of games on the Sunday as well. Yeah. So uh, Sunday, you and Bob, uh, Crystal Palace at home to Aston Villa. <laughs> um, again, there's, there's not much in that. With, like we've already talked about Villa enough. They've they've, they've the most outside of chances ever. I'd say um, I get I get European football this year, um, mm-hmm. and that's about all that can can come from this game. So Villa need to win. Palace don't really need to win. Um, it looks like they'd be moving Roy Hodgson on at the end of the year as well. So um, oh, really? think, yeah, yeah. I don't his contract's up, and I don't think he's renewing it. So uh, devastated, devastated. But um, I'd, I'd say as a result, they're probably just seeing out the rest of the season and just getting players' minutes and whatever it may be. Mm. Um, that moves on to the next game, which is Spurs at home to Wolves. This does hold significance. Spurs do still have an outside chance of potentially even top four, which is oh, it's a big, big ask. Um, but they definitely have Europa League chances still there. As we already said, I don't think Roy Mason um, has a tactical nails to, to get the win over these three uh, managers in a row that he's going to face. I think uh, Nuno is going to probably get one over on him here. Um, Wolves have proven to be a tricky enough team for Spurs as well since they've come back to the Premier League. So mm. that'll be an interesting game. I think, I do think Wolves will make that one. I'll probably look like an idiot now in about four days' time, but. That's that's where I'm going with it. Um, <laughs> then at half four on Sunday, so the tour game of the day is West Brom at home to Liverpool. Um, obviously, this is a huge game for the, for Liverpool in the top four. Obviously, it could either be more important or less important after tomorrow's result. Hopefully, um, the former. But I'm hoping for a nice, comfortable win here. I do have a feeling we'll get that Classic West Brom, Sam Allardyce. They've just been relegated. They'll be bouncing the ball about Pereira. Will probably score a hat trick. Um, <laughs> that that day could be there. I mean, they did hammer Chelsea five two as well before they were relegated. So it's mm-hmm. that they're, they're not pushovers. They've definitely improved over the course of the season. It just wasn't enough in the end. But hopefully Liverpool can get the the victory here. Hopefully none of them players that were rumored to be injured are injured, and hopefully we don't get any more. Um, before then. That brings us into the last game of the week and wrap up on the podcast. I'll actually let you take it, Matt, because um, yeah. you're Everton at home to Sheffield United in another massive game. Yeah, massive game for Everton in terms of European football. Um, I'm obviously hoping that the Aston Villa game tomorrow goes in our favour as well. It'll just put massive impotence on this game. Uh, basically, the, the Spurs, Liverpool, Everton and West Ham need to win their remaining games. It's as simple as that. If they drop any form of points, even draws at this stage of the season, we'll, we'll feel like losses for those four teams. And if Everton get a result, get three points against Aston Villa, and then they go and say they, say they even get a draw against Sheffield United at home, it will feel like a loss. It really will. Um, The only... Everton's home record is absolutely atrocious. I think we five wins all season. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, The only... The only good thing about that is that we're playing Sheffield United, who are the 20th place team. But 
Like it's it's one of those tricky ones for Everton. We should have Hamas Rodriguez back for that game. The Corre is back in the squad for tomorrow's game against Aston Villa. So Everton should have a fairly fully fit squad to choose from. Perfect timing. Perfect timing for the last I'm I'm actually fully I'm actually expecting nine points for my next three games. Aston Villa away, Sheffield United and then Wolves away during the week. Listen, if we want European football, minimum seven. Minimum seven. It's just the way it's going to have to be. Yeah, I can see nothing but an Everton win, and I want nothing but an Everton win for that. But that's going to wrap up, Ed, the round of fixtures. There's no games on the Monday, and then I think we have a full list of Premier League games uh, during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I think there's fans back in the stadiums for the home teams in those games as well. I think that's the reason why they pushed a few of these games back or forward to allow um to allow each team have their last home game of the season to have fans in. I believe that's what it is. I think it's ten yeah. percent of the capacity of the stadium is allowed. So that's brilliant for, for the I home fans. I think it's fans. ten thousand. I think it's ten thousand fans. Yeah, it's it's for something fair. like that. It's it's ten thousand or ten percent of the capacity of the stadium or so it's something like that. Anyway, but um listen it's it, Believe it or not, like we're only gonna have two more podcasts until the season's finished, which is which is mental. Um we've been flying with the podcast. I think this is our thirteen podcast said. I can't believe we haven't killed each other in thirteen podcasts. Um you've tried to kill a few of our guests, which is fair enough. You tried to kill Kane last week, but but um listen, uh been an enjoyable season. It's only gonna get more the the like the European madness is gonna be even more enhanced over the next couple of days as well. Games are coming ticking fast. Like we said, there's games tomorrow. There's games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. One day break on the Monday, then we're back straight into it. So our next podcast we're going to record will be on Monday. So um, should be out live, ready for everybody to listen to on Tuesday before the midweek games kick off. So listen, yeah, we'll leave it there, Ed. Um, thanks very much for your input yet again. Um, yeah, so we'll leave it there, Ed. Uh, yeah, perfect. All right. Thanks very much for everybody who's been listening. Thanks very much for um, our recent guests as well, for sharing everything on their platforms and stuff like that. Make sure you get over, follow the Twitter page. Make sure you get over, follow the Instagram page, get involved with everything. And yeah, that's it. I've been Matt Smith. He's been Ed Kelgan. And that was a week in football.